Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Brave Parenting Podcast. Today, we are talking about a huge topic, both in the Bible and in our lives, and this is modern idolatry, essentially worshiping something other than God. It is a topic that we really don't like to think applies to us, but in this age where we are spending hours upon hours a day on entertainment and other gluttonous things, we really must take an honest and humble look at our lives to ensure this sort of idolatry isn't present. While this is a very deep and rich theme in the Bible, we really kind of want to just touch on it, but apply practical application to parenting with media and technology. So joining me today on the podcast as we dive into this topic is my longtime partner in Brave Parenting, Chelsea Hiesel. Hey, everyone. Woohoo! I'm so glad to be back on the Brave Parenting Podcast. It's going to be a fantastic day, Kelly. It is. It's going to be fantastic. It is. So as you might remember, Chelsea is a biblical counselor. She lives in the D.C. area. And considering that she is regularly wrestling with really tough topics like critical race theory and gender dysphoria, I would like to think that talking about idol worship is really going to be like discussing what we had for dinner last night. What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. As you know, right now, Kelly, I am single parenting it. So dinner is actually kind of hard right now. So. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah. As a military um, wife, uh, yes. you, your husband is <laughs> is away from you right now. And so, yes, tons of prayers for you as you parent solo. That is totally difficult. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's interesting. We get to the end of the day and like dinner is one of those things where I'm like, do you guys really need to eat? Like, is it really that important? And like my teenagers who are like bottomless pits right now, like like shocked, like, uh, yes, give me food. Are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. All right. Well, Chelsea, let's dive right into this topic. And, you know, I chose this topic because I feel like it's pretty explicit in scripture. Yet as modern-day Christians raising kids in our post-truth, media-saturated culture, we really give absolutely zero attention to this topic. So before we get started, what we want to do, just because of all of the, as they say, um, linguistic theft, all of the changing of definitions of words that is out there, let's define what an idol is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. That is a really, really good idea. I love Tim Keller's definition from Counterfeit Gods. He says, an idol is anything more important to you than God. It's anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we wanted to use scripture to kind of validate what um, Tim Keller said, we could look at First John two fifteen through 16. Because John really helps us categorically understand this a bit more. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has done comes not from the Father, but from the world. Yeah, so So we just see, like, (laughs) yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And as a counselor, I deal with this on a daily basis. Like, we are always wrestling with idols in our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty clear, you know, John is saying to us, to the mm-hmm. church back then, not to love, really, truly mm-hmm. love anything more in this world that we have than God. So that's really clear. 
So is there any reason for us to believe that this does not apply to us today in 2021? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, does any of the entire array of glorious Apple products and all of its glory invalidate the Holy Scripture <laughs> here? I'm like, I'm just mm-hmm. curious because mm-hmm. I'm not right. going to lie. I, I do. Right. I have the whole array of Apple products. I do enjoy right. them. I don't, right. I don't think I love them more than God, but I'm checking myself, right? And I think that's something we all need to do. Like, it applies. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's and it's not really the phone, Kelly, because if the phone were dead and it couldn't produce anything and it couldn't give us anything, right, it's, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be as glorious as, as we think it is. But listen, this is the deal. We still struggle with remnant sin in our heart. It's kind of like the inner man that Paul would say. You know, we are still vulnerable to worship under other things, but idols don't just pop up and say, here I am, now you can worship me. No, they're, they're born, they aren't born on their own, excuse me, and they can't make us worship them. Like when your kids were little and little Johnny, like slapped little Jimmy and you're like, well, why did you do that? And he's like, well, he made me do it. And sarcastic parenting 101 is you then ask your child, oh, so he made you, he picked up your hand and smacked himself across the face? Like, (laughs) no, idols don't make us do anything. It's our choice to worship them. So it's funny you say that because I think a lot of us, and, and myself included, when I still, when I hear scripture talk about you shall not worship any idol, I think mm-hmm. of these man-made little carved images that is very often described in scripture that people would like physically bow down to. And that's right. not what we're doing, but with our heart, right. we are. And so, yeah, we're not necessarily producing these things. And they're not making us, but like you pointed out before, it's not the device itself. If the phone was dead, it would I would not do anything for it. It's not the device, right. but it's what I can access on mm-hmm. that device. Um, I think that's that very subtle. And of course, since it's sort of this nebulous internet, <laughs> mm-hmm. we don't think that it's making us do anything, which that could we could talk about algorithms for a whole other podcast. But mm-hmm. so we kind of define, so what makes an idol? in our lives, what makes something an idol. So it's essentially, it's, we're giving it more time, Mm -hmm. more love, more energy, Mm -hmm. I guess you Mm -hmm. could say, right? It's not making me, but I'm willingly giving it. Would you you say that? Absolutely. I absolutely would. Multiple times, Jesus talks about in the New Testament scriptures, what comes from us, what comes from our heart. And the reason the whole the reason we needed a savior was because we needed a new heart. I always it's always incredible to me when I think about he's about to leave. He knows he's going to the cross, and he tells his disciples, "It's better. It is better that I go, so you can have the counselor, because we legitimately need the Spirit of God mm-hmm. in us, directing us, sanctifying us, leading us into all manners of righteousness, because our hearts are just so." Um, tainted and corrupted by the fall. Mm-hmm. So then what effect do these idols? So I'm just going to throw a couple out there. So mm-hmm. say it's a teenage boy. I've got a few of those, right? And video games. Like mm-hmm. that can really become an idol in their life. Teenage girls and social media fame and sort of likes and popularity in those regards. Right. Frankly, those things are the same for adults. <laughs> you can find yeah. grown adult men and women 
um, worshiping video games, as well as social media and those same things. So what effects does that have on us as Christ followers when we are giving more time, attention, love, and energy to these sources of entertainment than we are Christ? Mm, that's a good question. That's a really, really, really good question. Um, it's kind of like a twofold answer. We have to remember that the, one of the, the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods mm-hmm. before me. And we live, we do, we live in a, you know, if you went to the east of the world and you saw the temples and the statues, you would be like, oh my gosh, they're still doing it. You know, but if you came to America, it's not as overtly in your face, although it actually is in your face because (laughs) our screens are right next to our face. Um, (laughs) When I think about it, I was like, wait, we have to understand that the impact of idolatry, we can find that actually in Psalm 135, and then we can follow it up with Second Peter. But I'll just read to you guys 135 real quick, and then if on your own time you could read First Peter or Second Peter chapter 1. But in Psalm 135, he said, um, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, and they're made by the hands of men. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. Nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them will become like them, and so will all who trust in them. Mm. And this is the consequence. This is the consequence of following an idol, of, of worshiping something other than the living God. We, have, we become ineffective. We can see, but we can't discern good and, and wrong. We have mouths, but we can't speak truth mm-hmm. and love. We have ears, and we can't listen to those who are hurting around us because all of our attention, all of those senses are numb to the world around us because they're wrapped up, they're caught up in the idol, they're dead. We're, we're essentially ineffective. So what does that look like in parenting when you're ineffective? And we're called to be effective. That's what Second Peter chapter 1 says, you will be effective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we, as the parents, have these idols, and sometimes they're subtle idols, but in some parents, I mean, I've talked to some teenagers, it really is overtaking. And it's very obvious to kids right. that their parents are more concerned about um, either working on their device or entertaining themselves on a device or screen of some sort. Well, right. number one, we're setting this example of hands down parents. It's it's your their children are following you. You are the disciple Absolutely. maker, and so when you're setting that sort of example, you're going to lead them astray. Mm-hmm. And that and that's mm-hmm. you know a grave misfortune and sin mm-hmm. to represent Christ and then lead others away. Mm-hmm. I think that is a, a severe consequence. But what about when we see it in our in our kids' lives? Yeah, the consequences mm-hmm. of that. You know, I think as you were just talking, I'm doing research for a different presentation right now, and the the shifting of worldviews and mindsets. You know, you raise your kids with yeah. this Christian worldview, you know, biblical mindset, and then they get on social media and the voices um, against Christ against the yeah. biblical worldview are so loud. Yeah. And we wonder why are so many people, you know, deconstructing as this word is and wa- right. walking right. away from the faith. You know, they're, all these people are ineffective, right? When you are yeah. spending all this time on social media and you're having all of these voices speak into mm-hmm. your life, it's rendering mm-hmm. you ineffective. You've got ears and you're listening, but instead of listening to truth, you're believing all of the false narratives and these crazy, yep. you know, maybe even conspiracy theories and, and just different things that you see online. Uh, that's, yeah. you know, we look at social media as Christians where they go, oh, this is, this is, the world is crazy. 
You and I had just said <laughs> with our other friends the other day, are we taking crazy pills? Like what yeah. is, what <laughs> is happening? And I think that's that picture of that ineffectiveness. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. see truth. You can't discern good and, and evil mm-hmm. because this mm-hmm. idol, this this world on the screen, this sort of sub-reality is taking over. Mm-hmm. It is super duper easy to trade truth for a lie right now because sometimes you don't even realize it's happening. Sometimes we we design a platform, like for instance, I'm a homeschool mom, and let's say I wanted to review curriculum for YouTubers, for other parents who are trying to decide what they want to do for their homeschool year, right? And I review curriculum, and my intentions, my, my motivations, the motivations of my heart, because Jesus says everything comes from our heart, my motivations were good to help people. But those likes and those comments and those affirmations and those lifting ups, like it's like your thoughts of God can be lowered because your thoughts of fame and notoriety elevate. Mm-hmm. And so then the motivation shifts. It's like a bait and switch. And it's like the psychological impact of expecting likes or followers or even just trying to get them. Like how we remember this back in the early brave parenting days where we were like high-fiving because we had like 200 people like the brave parenting page. We were like, what? What? It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's, it's true, right? Like, <laughs> And then we had to check ourselves. Like, And then we did. We right. absolutely did. And it was pride before the fall. Okay. <laughs> like, that's exactly what happened. But but before you know it, it's like good intentions of, of helping people or spreading the gospel or something just becomes a stumbling block in our lives, but it com- becomes a stumbling block in the lives of our children because they're the ones who observe us the most. I, I mean, I, I don't know if it becomes a stumbling block in other people's lives, like their viewers' lives, but definitely the people who are watching all of our behaviors and watching us behind closed doors, and they really see like, okay, mom is kind of obsessed with her phone, mm-hmm. or man, dad cannot stop watching, I don't know, crazy kitten videos, or you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> whatever it is, yeah. I don't know. But a few, a few years ago, I reviewed a book for Brave Parenting, um, and it was called A Practical Guide to Culture, and I had to pull it back off my shelf, because I've got some other things that I'm studying for that are coming up this fall. And I love what John Stone Street and Brett Kunkel say in their book, A Practical Guide to Culture. They say um, in the chapter on the information age, they say ideas have consequences and bad ideas have victims. Mm -hmm. And the victims are our kids. A hundred percent, the victims are our children if we are not, if we don't keep ourselves in check with how we handle and manage our screen time. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. I don't think, I don't think that we can look at the statistics you can look at my my your own screen time um right and, and say oh you know the average teenager is spending seven to nine hours on a screen the average seven to eight year old is spending four to six hours on a screen a day i mean adults yeah. nine hours there is no way we could ever categorically say this is not an idol it's just fine it's work that is the right. idol of our work. I mean, that's what we're worshiping. That is our God, that money right. hours a day. And some of those statistics say that's not for school or work. That's entertainment. That's checking right. emails and social media and, and all of that. So yes, absolutely. This is, I really don't think we can go forward and say that, hey, this is, it could be an idol in your life. It may not be. We all need to check ourselves because as you said, there is lots of bad ideas on there, and those bad ideas have victims. They have major consequences. Yep. And yep. yeah, so here yep. we are. How do we recognize? 
How can we, I mean, mm-hmm. we have, right? We've got it as our, my, myself, Kelly, <laughs> I need to check <laughs> myself because there is probably a log in my eye that before I go to call out the speck in my child's eye, right. I, I need to make sure that my, I am representing holiness as much as I possibly can to my children and that there isn't an idol really creating a stumbling block for my kids. So how, how can we recognize this? Right. We, you know, on if you have an Apple product, and Kelly, you can help me out with an Android product. I know on an Apple product, you can um, enable the screen time, um, what is it, where they tell you right. like how much time you're spending on media, those types of things. I would recommend looking at that um, over the course of a week or two weeks. And then the other thing that I sometimes do when I have counselees who are really struggling to manage time and they can't figure out, they're just really struggling to manage their time in the day. I have them create a log and you just set up a 24-hour log and you set it for maybe three or four days and you log your activities just like your phone is doing for your screen time management. Now log your activities for the rest of the day and see what's going on in your life. You need an, a, you need a, an outsider's perspective almost to see where you're mismanaging your time, but most importantly, where you're mismanaging your worship because worship is a choice and we have to worship in spirit and in truth and in order to figure out what's going on, we have to we have to be able to see it. We have to be able to have a tangible proof of where it's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, when we talked about this, you know, how does the FBI tell the difference between a counterfeit yeah. bill and a legal bill? They yep. study the real one so well, so accurately, and committing all of its details to memory that through that knowledge, they are wise enough to spot the differences. And that's another thing is, yes, we can practically manage our screen time. That is a huge aspect of it. You know, there's a million things that we could talk about there that we're not going to go off into that rabbit hole. But um, but studying the word, it's all there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, We're transitioning the conversation now into kind of like discipleship, like. We have to study the word. We have to know what is absolutely true because we live in a, a postmodern society where uh, many people will say that truth is unknowable. And as Christians, historically, we don't believe that. We know that God's worth is, or God's word, excuse me, is absolute truth. And Jesus, Jesus prays in John John seventeen, excuse me, right before he leaves, um, or right before, or he's in the garden, excuse me. And he prays that we would be sanctified through his word. And sanctification means growth and holiness. He wants us to grow in his holiness, to be holy as his father is holy. And we have to do that by his word. It it doesn't really come any other way. There's a lot of people right now that would say, you can find your truth in narrative or you could find your truth in experience. God's word feelings. says, <laughs> in your feelings, yes, exactly. Oh, and heavens, if my truth were my feelings, that would not go well for the, the people around me. Let's just be real, okay? Jer- what does Jeremiah say? The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? We, we have to be using God's word. Like you just described the counterfeit bill. You have to know the word inside, outright, left, backwards, and frontwards in order to discern the lies that are coming into your house. It's like, if if you were if you lived in the middle of a war zone, right, you wouldn't fling open your door and let every awful, horrible awfulness imaginable come through your front door and hurt your family. You would want to keep that door locked tight, closed to keep you guys inside away from what's going on outside. And that is kind of like the word of God. It is going to steal and lock up our hearts. We need to have it written on our hearts 
that way we can defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. Paul says that, you know, in Ephesians 6, it's the, the sword of the Spirit is literally the Word of God. Um, I'm just trying to think. The other thing is when we are discipling our kids, one of the verses that always sticks out to me um, is in Jude. He says, contend for the faith that you've been given. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's contend for the faith that you've been entrusted with. That word contend is where we get our English word agony from. I think it's like agonitsmai or something like that. I'm going to totally botch that up. But it's where we get our word agony for. Like, it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. It's not going to feel good. It is going to look different. It means you're going to be going against everything the world embraces, just like when we started off the podcast and we were talking about First John. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And as a parent, I mean, you think about the fruit of the Spirit, the first fruit is love. Mm -hmm. And it comes from the fact that we love God first and then we love each other. And our love is good. It's good, Kelly, when the love of the Father is in us. It is It is fruitful. It is spreadable. It is good. Mm -hmm. It is salt and light. You know, it's all of these amazing things, but man, if you've got the love of the world in you, if your father is Satan, it is not going to go well for the people around you. Um, you know, we think about bad ideas have victims, or yeah, bad ideas have victims. If you're a parent right now listening and you're like, I think I want to give my kid a phone, but I'm really not sure that's the right time, because what's that, what's like, that's that's like the number one question for brave parents, when should I give Hands my child down, a yes. phone, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I don't think it's about age. It's it's about maturity level. It's, Absolutely. You know, it might be a bad idea to give your kid a phone because the victims could be you, it could be your child, it could be your relationship. And when they're fighting back and they're like, no, but everyone else has one, you point them to Galatians 5.22 and you say, but wait, if we're in Christ and he is in us, then we are going to produce the fruit of patience and self-control. And you have to remember as a parent, you rest solely and wholly on the strength of God. Um, to parent and to do all, to do these, these very hard things, these agonizing things of discipling your kids in an age of media saturation. It's so true, you know, and I haven't used the word agony to describe my parenting journey. (laughs) Maybe not this year, at least. Um, Like no one wants to use that word. I don't go looking for agony, but man, it comes to my doorstep like all the time. Yeah. When I, when I think (laughs) about that, um, not loving the world, um, you know, I just had a conversation about workout clothes with my teenage daughter. I probably don't have to describe anything more than that when you do. When yep. you just mentioned those yep. two things, you think, yeah, I mean, I'm fighting what feels like it could be a losing battle, but I am right. contending for the faith. I, yep. it was an agonizing conversation, but that's okay because, yep. you know, in, in it, she didn't love everything I had to say. And that's okay because right. we're right. That's the work that we have to do. But you know what? That in itself all goes back to the media that is transforming culture. I mean, again, I could go on a rabbit hole. I Uh, know. I mean, this could turn into like a four hour conversation. (laughs) We're not going to do. We're not going to do. But it just goes. Yes. um, That contending of the faith to keep them away from the worship. And that's really where I want to kind of take this last question is what work? Do we have to do to make sure, I mean, really to kick if this idol is on this pedestal, whether it's in right. my life or my child's life, right. we have to kick that off its pedestal, put it in its rightful place and right. make sure that nothing other than the Lord 
comes back into that place. And that is hard work. And Mm -hmm. the answers to this question really are not going to be easy, right? We kind of know this. No, should we stop the podcast now so we don't have to answer that question and we don't have people that are like, I'm done listening to that. But I'm just going to start the the answer off and say this is still part of the agony of what I'm doing. And, you know, I really I do believe that it will produce this fruit of keeping this idol off that pedestal is withholding social media. I started this, you know, six years ago of withholding it when I thought it was bad. And I would definitely say that it has gotten so much worse. Um, The culture in the world of social media, it's completely non-reality. And if we really don't want, number one, if we don't want self as the idol, and we don't want fame as the idol, because social media itself isn't really the idol. It's the posting of yourself. And it's it's like, I, I just read in another book, it was like, we are our own like kings and queens of our own kingdoms. Anything we want, we want people to worship us. We just post this picture and, you know, and it's very much like that. And so whether we're worshiping self or worshiping fame, all that to really, to keep that at bay, to keep that off the pedestal. I don't, yep. I don't really know any teenager that is mature enough. There are a handful. There probably are. Um, but to truly handle, especially girls, hands down, the rates of loneliness, suicide, depression, all of that. Because when we talked about the consequences, we didn't get to say this, but there is a lack of peace. When you are worshiping an idol that is other than God, your heart does not lack peace. You think that the self-love and and (laughs) worship and all this kind of stuff is going to bring you this peace and all that. It doesn't. No, no, you're absolutely right. And peace is one of the fruits we produce in, in the fruit of the Spirit. Like, what is it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, mm-hmm. gentleness, faithfulness. I've lost myself now. Self-control. I can't remember yeah. patience, self-control. Yeah. But Paul makes this, like, really great compare and contrast right above it in Galatians, which we sometimes tend to overmiss because we just want to get to the good stuff, which I get. Like, I want to get to the good stuff, too. But he says, like, listen... If you're if the acts of a sinful nature and a, a, a sin is to worship an idol, right? So, mm-hmm. okay, so we're, if we're, we have a sinful nature that's worshiping another idol, he says, listen, this is what you're going to produce. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, with witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Like, he's like this, I feel like that maybe and the like, like, not even exhaustive. Exactly. That Galatians (laughs) passage is one of my absolute favorites to go back to when, especially when I'm leading teenagers through scripture, because, and even if you've not read Galatians um, five, that portion right there, like five 22, I believe it is Yeah. in the message version, which we know the message version of that like yep. you can literally just take your highlighter and write social media right over yeah. that because it literally yep. describes the whole world there. And that, yeah, that, that's the consequence yep. of that. Yep. And that is what we're trying yep. to avoid. So we have to keep in our mind when we're thinking, why am I, why am I doing this agonizing work of keeping this idol off right. of this pedestal? It's because this is the fruit that is going to be produced. Produced. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I mean, we can't get around it. I love what Brett Kunkel and John Stone Street say back in that chapter on the information age from um, their book. They said, also stunting the next generation's ability to think are the ever-present forms of entertainment 
that perpetually feed what Aldous Huxley called a man's almost infinite appetite for distraction. For entertainment addicts, even the slightest intellectual endeavor seems too much work in the light of the constant supply of on-demand movies, social media, and games, courtesy of the glowing rectangles all around us. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like, here's the deal. Like, are we entertainment addicts, Kelly? Like, 100%. we really have to sit back and like, ask, like, it, like personally ask ourselves that question, right? Because if I desire more to be entertained than I do to have a conversation with the Lord and to read his word, man, we got a problem. We're not going to be able to see that counterfeit when it comes across, you know, our counter. Like it's, we're not going to be able to hold it up to the light and see if that little seal is in there because we're going to, we're not even going to know if the seal exists. Right. In the first place to Mm -hmm. to discern, to discern what's right and what's wrong. Right. Um, We also tend to live in a, in a society that is upholding the truth of children, it kind of goes back to like Jean-Jacques Rousseau and how kids were considered like pure and untainted by society. And they were the only ones that were really like had true wisdom and yada, 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 because society taints and corrupts people under his theory. And so you see kids like Greta Thunberg and whatnot and all lifting up their voices and being exalted by media. But we have to really be checking ourselves, Kelly, to make sure that we're mm-hmm. as parents, we're not falling into that same trap. Oh, like, oh, my kids know more than I do. Oh, my, my kids. <laughs> My kids are wise. Like, don't fall into that trap, parents. Kids are not wise (laughs) at all. (laughs) Yeah, it is true. It is true. And I I do. I see everything you had just said. I 100% believe that, um, at least as a culture, I don't know what it's like in the East, but here, at least in the West, we are absolutely addicted to entertainment. Um, Mm -hmm. it, It is hands down. So, I think that's something, if we could just, you know, tie a bow on this and say, what's one thing that I think we all need to do? It's to really check that entertainment level versus our reading and studying of God's word and and really repent, repent of that. And then, of course, our next step after we repent is also to believe. You don't have to believe Chelsea and I's words. <laughs> it's no. really, it's all no, there in scripture. Actually, please don't believe our words. Like <laughs> if we say something, study scripture enough so that you can come back and correct us. Like, please. Amen. Absolutely. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But I do. Yeah, this is, this is a really, um, I, I believe a really overarching topic as we take yeah. this biblical worldview um, to brave parenting and really say, you know what? Um, we have Christ followers. We have to apply, we have to look at our biblical worldview first, and then we set a standard before we allow media and technology. I think we've, you know, we've kind of, I think I may have even say that I've had it wrong a little bit for the past six years is, you know, we don't set the standard after we've looked at its effects. At this point, we know the effects and scripture has warned us of the effects. And so we take our biblical worldview then we set a standard. And what that standard is, is, hey, I know that this can be, I, this is going to be something that's going to be worshiped that's other than God. And this can become an idol in, our, in your life and in my life. And so we set the standard right then. And then yep. we can engage in yep. media and technology in a yep. way that really conforms to our biblical worldview that Absolutely. honors the Lord, keeps him high and lifted up in the position that he should be in our lives. That is that is what we want to do, and hopefully, this has encouraged you to um, just do a little self reflection, to look at your own life, to evaluate your level of entertainment, recognize that idol, kick it off, 
And opening right. God's word today. Right. You know, I just want to like to tie up what you're saying, Kelly. I really hope our listeners, this is not like, this is not a shameless self, selfish plug or anything. I really hope the listeners do um, pick up Brave Parenting's Managing Media book because the standards are based on biblical principles. So mm-hmm. when we say set a standard, we are not asking you to set a standard based on your idea of morality. We want the standard to be set on God's morality and His standard, because when your child comes back to fight and to push against you, which they absolutely will, you can just point to Scripture and say, this is the standard, this is my standard, and if you don't like it, you're not arguing with me, you're arguing with God. Oh, amen. <laughs> because, like, yeah. and that's what I, like, we, yeah. that's one of the things we practice in counseling, is like, our, anything we counsel biblically is always from Scripture. I'll have the counselee read it and say, this is what God says, this is not what I say, this is not my advice, this is not my imperative, this is God's imperative. Right. absolutely. We don't. I just really want to encourage parents, like, don't move the morality line. First of all, it doesn't need to be moved. But if you move it once, you'll have to move it again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And then that road is wide instead of narrow. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And we are called to the narrow road. That's awesome. Yeah. And you can pick up the book, Managing Media, Creating Character on Amazon.com. It is right there for you. So thanks for that little plug, Chelsea. You're welcome. Awesome. (laughs) Well, I think this was, you know, it was fast. I'm not going to lie to you, um, friends. We have recorded this a couple times and it was very long, like hours. (laughs) So we really (laughs) tried to condense it because we could talk about this for a long time. We got into a lot of rabbit holes. So, but hey, thank you for sticking with us. And we're so encouraged that you are here doing this hard work of brave parenting with your biblical worldview. We just want to encourage you to continue in in that hard work. And until next time, go and be brave. Be brave.